Who's ex- man, I'm excited about the word of the living God. Somebody say amen. amen. Who's ever read about, when I, I'm jumping ahead, I'll get to it in a minute. Who's ever read about the abomination of desolation? Matthew 24, 15, Mark chapter 13, verse 14, quoting from Daniel eleven thirty one and Daniel 12, 11, And it's talking about an abomination that makes desolate. Does that mean anything? And if so, does it apply to me? It's quiet in this charismatic church. <laughs> We're going to get into it today. I'm going, to, I'm going to say some things. I believe this, guys. I believe all the word of God applies to me. But I need to understand that application. That's part of rightly dividing the word. You know, sometimes this is actually what grieves me about what people have done with the book of Revelation. We've put it all out in the future. And then there's another group that's put it all in the past. But there's no now application. And, I, and I've often thought if, if I was the devil, any resemblance is purely coincidental. But <laughs> and I saw a book that said it's revealing Jesus, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it was highly symbolic. I think, well, this ought to be easy. I'll just confuse them and I'll have them looking for missiles in Iran or missiles somewhere. And it won't be about it won't be redemptive. It won't be about Jesus. Satan, let me go to our, one of our good friends, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And I say this often, I'm going to continue to say it often. The devil does not care what you and I look at as long as it's not Jesus Christ and his redemptive work. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. That's when I see people getting into all this stuff. You know, there's such a dumb movement going on right now. They're bringing red heifers to Israel. How dumb can you be? And still breathe. That's ridiculous. That is so unscriptural. God is not exalting red heifers above his son. And that's really all part of the abomination that makes desolate. I'm going to simplify it for you. How's that? That's that's in this message. And this is going to be the last one uh, in a series on... Understanding, I've entitled, How a Defeated Devil Steals a Completed Word. That has always been so, so fascinating to me. Go to our good friend, our foundation verse, Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15. Watch this. This is review. I I really believe what you don't understand, as we'll see here in a minute, Satan's able to steal. How about Matthew chapter 13, verse 19? That's good, though, too. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and steals or catches away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receives seed by the wayside. So when anyone hears the word of God, the word of the kingdom, right, and doesn't understand it, Satan's able to steal this. And I've had this happen Many times in my Christian walk. I spent many years going around the mountain as a Christian, born again, going to heaven, because of lack of understanding. And I've determined it's not foolish to be ignorant, but it is foolish to remain ignorant. In fact, my definition of stupid is willful ignorance. Choosing ignorance. Amen. But look at this in your outline. This is review. The word understandeth means to join together in your mind. It means to put it together in your mind. It means to synthesize. We've talked about that. 
Now, can Christians who are born again, Christ in them, the hope of glory, can they, hear me, can they operate separate from who's on the inside of them? Absolutely, and many do. Go to Ephesians 4. It's in your outline. Look at verse 17. Ephesians 4. This is the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, and he's talking to believers, to Christians. Not unbelievers. Christians. This I say, therefore, verse 17 of Ephesians 4, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk, not talking about your position, but your walk, not as other Gentiles walk, those who don't know the Lord. Can Christians walk as those who don't know the Lord? Absolutely. Many do. That's why Satan loves pulpits. I did a message a long time ago called Pharaoh in the Pulpit. Remember Moses told Pharaoh, let my people go. They may serve me in the new covenant way, is my modern version. So this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk, not as other Gentiles walk, or those who don't know the Lord, in the vanity of their mind. Wow. Next verse. Remember we talk about understanding? Having the understanding darkened. Now this word for understanding is another Greek word, and it's dia noia. Noia comes from nois, the Greek word for mind, and dia, is, it mean, it's penetration. It means through. It's the idea of penetration. So this is talking about your deep mental disposition. Having your deep mental disposition darkened. Watch this. Here's what's fascinating. Talking to believers. Being alienated. Separated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. It goes on being past feeling, etc. So can Christians walk this way? Absolutely. Absolutely. Many do. Go to another friend of ours, Proverbs 14, 6. Proverbs chapter 14, a scorner. The word scorner, lutz, means one who makes mouth at, a mocker. Somebody who just operates with his mouth and not his head and heart. Seeks wisdom and doesn't find it. But knowledge is easy unto him that has understanding. The word understanding in the Hebrew, one of my favorite definitions, is to be able to discern between lookalikes. To discern between lookalikes. Sometimes, well, I should say all the time, we need to walk in holy discernment. Our love needs to abound in, in, in all knowledge and discernment. Let me show you this. Go to, um, these aren't in your outline, but they're good. Go to 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. You'll wonder why I'm a verb nerd. This is talking, this is the apostle Peter, and he's saying some things to believers. Everybody say, believers. We got this idea that as long as we're in the church, we're safe. I wish that was true. But this is why, listen, I don't want you to believe things because I tell you. I want you to go to the Word and be a Berean and search it for yourself. Amen? Don't reject it because I tell it, but you go there. See, what I'm going to do is continue to exalt Jesus. <clears throat> That's the right path. <clears throat> Excuse me. But you need to have your own relationship with God. So many people, it's like raising kids. So many people, we'll let the schools raise them. We'll let the, we'll let the, the church raise them. No, no, no. You raise them. 
God's call, that's your call. Amen? Now, but there, this, look at this. But there were false prophets also in or among the people in in Greek, referring to the old covenant. Even as there shall be false teachers among or in you, new covenant. Now, this is what fascinates me. Remember I said to discern between lookalikes, like the parable, the tares and the wheat in, in uh, Matthew 13. It says, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies. Now, what do those look like? I'm coming back to that phrase there. Even denying the Lord that bought them. You see that? These are believers. I did this for a while. Actually, for a number of years, because I didn't know better. So I would teach communion. Oh, you need to judge yourself, and you need to walk around and make sure you don't have any ought against anybody. No, you need to judge yourself to make sure your faith is in Jesus, period, and him crucified. Amen? Amen. The only way a believer can take the communion elements unworthy is to believe they're unworthy because Jesus made you worthy. That's good news. The gospel's good news, but watch this. It says, denying the Lord. The word denying is arneomai. It means to say no to. It means to reject. It means to refuse to identify with. These are people that are refusing to identify with Jesus Christ and his finished work. Oh, my word. He, that bought them and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Now look at the phrase, privilege shall bring in. I love this phrase because it literally describes how this happens. How could this happen? This is why we need discernment. This is why when somebody says, well, we're bringing red heifers to Israel, you can say, you're a nut. I mean, in love. You say it in love. You're a nut. I love you, nut. No, I'm just kidding. Amen? But, but you can discern that, and you can know that that's not God because it denies the sacrifice of Jesus. It's exalting animal blood above Jesus' blood, and that is blasphemy. I believe it's ignorant, but I'm telling you, it's not foolish to be ignorant, but it's foolish to remain ignorant. My people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge because they rejected knowledge. Don't be that way. Be a Berean. Shall privily bring in, describe. It means to smuggle in, and the word is so amazing. It's a three-part compound word in Greek. And it's para, which means alongside. Some people say para, but whatever. It's not, it's not the point. Ice, E-I-S, which means into. Motion into and ago, which means to lead. So it describes how the smuggling operation works. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Even his ministers masquerade as ministers of righteousness. It comes alongside the truth. It gets into the body of Christ and it leads people to not identify with Jesus. That's why when I receive the offering, I don't put you under Malachi 3 or Leviticus 27, the curse of the law. Because you're not under that dispensation. You're not under that covenant. You're under a new covenant, a better covenant. Amen? And so for me to put you under that, there's many lessons for Malachi, but for me to put you under an old covenant is anti-Christ. Remember, we talk about that. It's not anti-God. It's anti-Christ. And there's a difference. Amen? Remember the two faces of Antichrist? Remember we talked about that? There's the political Antichrist, and then there's the Antichrist in the body of Christ that puts you in the place of Christ. It makes you sin conscious instead of sun conscious. 
Literally denies the work of the Lord. Lived there for many years. Did not know the difference. A lot of preachers don't know the difference. God, I'm telling you, if we get a hold of this, I'll give you an example. All fear of death is removed. Because 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. The sting of the death is the sin of knowing I don't measure up in myself. And what strengthens that sin that points me to me is the law. And it tells me, yes, you're right. It causes me to identify with me. The next verse, I love it, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Hallelujah. Let's get into the outline. Okay. So it's important if we hear the word of the kingdom and we don't understand, the enemy's able to steal that from us. This is why ongoing repentance is huge. Repentance, well, let's go there. Before I do this, oh, there's so many verses. For, uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. I, I want to preach just on repentance, teach on just on repentance, because it's amazing. And what I'm going to share here will rock your world. Uh, Mark 1, verse 14. Now, after that, John was put in prison. Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the law of the king. No, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Next verse, watch this. And saying, the time is fulfilled. And the, you know, and the, the time of the old covenant was fulfilled, and Jesus is here proclaiming the new covenant. Now, some people have argued that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, well, that should be part of the old covenant because it was before the cross. Well, it's true that the cross isn't recorded till the end, and they were operating under the old covenant, but Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are accurately in the New Testament or the New Covenant because Jesus is proclaiming the New Covenant. When we get into the baptism of Jesus, I am pumped because I'm going to go into that. And you're going to go, oh, my, my, this is amazing. <laughs> I'm hoping you do that. <laughs> the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Notice it doesn't say repent and get your act together. I've often said if you get your act together, it's still an act. It says repent. The word repent, now you know this, metanoia means to change your mind. But look at your outline. I got this in your outline. Repentance is not just changing what you think, but changing how you think. And we're going to get into that because that's big. See, a lot of people want to, they just, well, I'll just change what I think. And that's important. It's not incorrect, but it's incomplete. True repentance is changing how you think. A lot of people have gained information from good messages and all that type of stuff, and they've changed a lot of what they think, but they don't change how they think. They haven't changed how they relate to God. Oh, this is good news. Hallelujah. Look at, uh, well, I, I don't know. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to do this one. Here's an example. I'm going to say example. Go to Luke chapter 11 and look at verses 5 through 8. This is an example of not only changing what you think, but changing how you think. And there's more examples, but look at this. And he said unto them, Which of you have a friend and shall go unto your friend at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say 
Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Next verse. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, his persistence, his shamelessness, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. And how many times have we heard that? And we say, see, you just got to badger God, man. You just stay with it, and God will finally cave. That's not what this is saying. Remember repentance. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and what it's accomplished. Everybody say, bookends. If you have a bookshelf, you have books like this, you have a bookend here and a bookend there. We just read the books. (laughs) Now let's read the bookends. Go to verse 1 of Luke 11. Look at this. Remember, Jesus was preaching repentance, not only changing what you think, but changing how you think. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. Teach us. Now, I want you to see a couple things here. Go to the next verse, please. And he said unto them, when you pray, say, Our Father. You know how wild you talk about a change in the, in the mindset of the people, the Jews for sure, calling God your father? What is up with this? They wouldn't even pronounce his whole name because of such reverence. And Jesus is saying, now you're going to pray our father. And he goes down and he goes, know the next verse, we call it the Lord's Prayer. I'm not here to talk, oh, covenant, new covenant. Oh, stop it. I don't have time to get into all that. Next verse. Talking about petition. Notice what he, he's saying in verses 1 through 4. He's presenting this new idea of God being your father. That's amazing. Now jump to the other bookend. Remember the books? We read the books in verses 5 through 8. We read there's one bookend. He's presenting God as father and he's relating it to prayer or being able to petition God as your father. Good news, right? Now look at verses 9. Look at verse 9. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. And he's going to talk about this. For everyone that asks receives. He that seeks find. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. Next verse. If a son or a daughter, gender's not the issue. How many know that's speaking of relationship with a parent? Well, let's read on. If a son shall ask bread of any of you, that is a a Father. Remember this? Father. Will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? Look at this. Next verse. If ye then being evil, <laughs> talking about the human condition outside of God, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit and his ministry to them that ask him? Matthew's account says good things. I don't, but here's the point. Everybody say father, children, and prayer. Now go to verse 5, and let's look at it with this in mind. We've looked at, that's the other bookend. Look at this. And he said unto them, which of you? He's talking about under the old covenant. See, that's what they were under. That's what they were used to. Which of you shall have a friend? You go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Look at this. Next verse. 
And a friend of mine in his journey has come to me. I don't have anything to set before him. Next verse. And he from within. I mean, in the new covenant, we're within. And he from within shall answer, say, don't bother me. Trouble me not. The door is now shut. How many of the doors Jesus, John chapter 10, verse 9, is now shut? My children, <laughs> children have to have a parent, a father, right? Are with me in bed in a place of rest. I cannot rise and give thee. Next verse. I say unto you, even under the old covenant, though he will not rise. See, there was a glory under the old covenant, but the glory of the new far surpasses the old and he's trying to transition their mindset from an old covenant way of thinking to a new covenant way of thinking. I say unto you, though he will not rise in giving because he is his friend, yet because even under the old covenant, because of his importunity, his shamelessness, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. He's trying to get them to see in this new covenant, you're not going to be on the outside beating on the door. You're going to be inside with your father in a place of rest, and you can get what you need because you're in the house. Are you seeing that? Jesus said, repent, change what you think and how you think, and believe. Believe what? The gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. But so many think like, well, I don't deserve to have my prayers answered because, you know, I, I'm not beating on the door. I'm not even that interested. But if you see the love of God for you and what he's made available to you, and that you're no longer on the outside. Oh, my, my. He's trying to transition their thinking. But I can't tell you that times over the years, people say, you just got to badger God. That's not what these verses are saying. Amen. Praise God. All right, get your outline quickly. Perhaps the greatest biblical confusion is how God operated in the Old Testament or Old Covenant versus the New Testament. Malachi chapter 3 if we could have that, verse 6, Malachi 3, 6. The Lord says, for I am the Lord, <laughs> I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob, God's covenant people under the Old Testament, you're not consumed. <laughs> I think that's amazing. Even under the Old Covenant, there was mercy and grace. You know that? Even under the Old Covenant. Look at your outline. Malachi 3, 6, the Lord doesn't change, but the way he is able to deal with humanity has changed since the cross. It has changed since the cross. Look at this. Let me give you some Old Testament examples. Are you ready? Isaiah 45, verse 7. Watch this. Isaiah 45 and verse 7. This is the prophet Isaiah's the Lord speaking through him. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. Oh, my word. I, the Lord, do all these things. What is going on with these verses? Go to Amos chapter 3, verse 6. Everybody say Old Covenant. God's not dealing with us this way, and there's a reason. But I'm going to show you, even under the Old Covenant, God was extending mercy. Because Israel could not keep the law, just like we can't keep it today. Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people are not, uh, and the people not be afraid? Shall there be evil in a city, and the Lord hath not done it? Now, people can pull these verses out and pull them out of the, their dispensational context, which means the time period they're in. We are not under this covenant. 
Why is God saying this? What is the evil he's talking about? Um, somebody say judgment. Somebody say judgment. There was judgment. Why? Look at Israel, what they did in Exodus 19, verse 8. And you can also see it in Exodus 24, verse 3 and 7. But look at this. Exodus 19 and verse 8. This is after God was showing them, uh, we're getting ready to give them the Ten Commandments, and he said this, and all the people answered together and said, look at this, all that the Lord has said, we will do. Wrong answer. Wrong answer, because they couldn't do it. They should have said, they should have threw themselves on the mercy of God and said, Lord, be merciful to us. But they said, everything you said, we can do it. And that's what people say today. I tell you people, Christianity is not about being strong. I didn't know that for years. It's about being weak so he can be strong. Isn't that powerful? 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Paul talked about glorying in his weakness so the power of Christ could tabernacle him. Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord, not in yourself and in the power of his might. I can't be strong in the Lord if I still think I'm strong in me. Amen. You know, I've told this story many times, and it's a great, great story. But the little boy that went out to watch his dad, his name is Bob George. He's got some great books on grace. But he went out to watch his dad swim and float on his back. And his dad was so good at floating on his back, he would go out in the water, and he'd float on his back, and he would, like, fall asleep. He was so good at it. So the young boy says, I'm going to do that. He goes out into the water, and the harder he tries to float on his back, the more he sinks. But when he learns to let the water carry him, that's when he's able to float on his back. When we learn to let Jesus function in our life the way he desires through the, through the person and power of the Holy Spirit, it's not saying we're not going to have issues we go through, but we're going to go through them and we're going to go through them in victory. Amen. Because thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus and makes manifest the savor or the aroma of his knowledge by, of his knowledge by us in every place. 2 Corinthians 2.14. So, what is this talking about? Israel, when it said he creates evil, it's talking about judgment. Look at Ezekiel 22.29. Ezekiel 22.29. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the stranger wrongfully. Kind of sounds like our government. Current government, I should know. 